putting yourself out of your comfort zone, the more you do it and the, the way you see yourself grow from that, the more you crave being out of your comfort zone. And that's what that does to me is like you're out there and you're doing something that's intimidating to you. You're scared. Like, you know, I think people see the Instagram highlights of it. And they're like, wow, look at that view and that sunset. And they don't realize that you were just like scared as shit out there in the dark with a headlamp. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Thanks again to Tracksmith for supporting For the Long Run and their continued support of not just this podcast, but the running community in general. Stock up on training essentials and gifts for the runners you love with Tracksmith. Visit tracksmith.com slash FTLR and use code GRAVY20 for 20% off apparel and accessories from Thursday, 1124 through Monday, 1128. This episode is brought to you by Freedom Solar Power, the company I use to go solar on my house. Go solar this year and you'll get to take advantage of the 30%, yep, that's new, federal tax credit next year. It's time to break free from rising electricity costs. When I first started looking into solar, I thought it would be a clunky and expensive process. Going solar isn't as hard as you think it is, and Freedom Solar is a turnkey solution focused on educating the consumer and making sure they have all the information they need to make sure going solar is right for them, both financially and as a way to help the planet. Freedom Solar operates in Texas, Colorado, Virginia, Florida, and now North Carolina, too. There are plenty of other great options nationwide. I have a super important question for you. Are you giving your body the nutrients it needs to help bolster and protect your immune system? How do you know? Friends, I'm here to help you eliminate the guesswork with two products that have had a huge impact on keeping me healthy and strong during my training and races that I strongly encourage you to try. Prevenex Probiotic and Prevenex Immune Health Plus are powerhouse products that can help you perform at your best and keep you healthy, especially as we move into a season where bugs that can take you down are everywhere. And over Black Friday, they're offering their largest deal of the year, which is 20% off. You can use the code FTLRBF for 20% off at Prevenex.com. Welcome back. I have Colleen Clark joining me on the podcast today. Colleen, uh, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so tough, tough first question ahead. Who is Colleen? <laughs> um, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> About an hour. Let's see. Well, my Instagram handle um, or my Instagram bio would say that I am a solar advocate, um, an outdoor wanderer. Um, and I use the F word a lot. I'm pretty sure that's what my bio says word for word. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That um, sums me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that works. So we connected thanks to you being a solar advocate um, and you work at Freedom Solar and that's how, how we got to know each other. Um, yes, Freedom Solar is a sponsor of this podcast, a sponsor of the planet, you could say as well. Um, and we'll mm. get into that. But um, I've found Colleen to be incredibly interesting uh, in in terms of what she does as more of an adventurer, um, so we're gonna we're gonna start the conversation from there. So this will be instead of for the long run, for the long hike, I guess. <laughs> um, so when <laughs> when did it. you get into uh, this type of adventuring? Yeah, so it actually started with running. Um, so it is kind of uh, an interesting story. I used to be a, a former marathon runner. Um, I used to run half marathons. Um, but going way, way back, it started, I used to do snowshoe racing out in Leadville, Colorado. Cool. Um, that was a, a fun and rare group of individuals that liked to run in, you know, negative seven degree air temps in high elevations and, you know, on tennis rackets. Um, but that kind of spiraled into my love for running, um, and long distance running in particular, cause I am not slow, but I can do things for long periods of time. Um, or not fast, I should say I'm, pr- I'm pretty slow, but I can go forever. Um, so that led into, you know, running marathons and my body just did not agree with it. Um, so started getting, you know, your typical knee problems that a lot of long distance runners have and, you know, ran into a lot of dead ends. And that led me into 
still needing to get out and do things uh, for long periods of time, but just not running. So that led into, let's just start crushing um, 14ers and and long hikes and um, kind of getting my adrenaline boost that way. What was the first 14er you did? Ooh, the first 14er I ever did was Quandary, Mount Quandary out in Summit County. Um, but yeah, I did that one actually about 10 years ago. And then um, that was it. It was like a one and done. Um, and then my my challenge that I would like to do is hike every 14er in the state of Colorado. Um, so that kicked off last year with Beardstat, you know, the old trusty Disneyland of 14ers in Colorado. Um, <laughs> that everyone and their dog seems to do. Um, and I'm currently at 14, 14ers, um, out of the 50, depending on what list you're looking at, 54 or 58, um, 14ers. Sometimes they grow or shrink under 14,000 feet. Yeah. Well, actually the one that I just did, um, about a month ago, they're saying is not going to be on the list much longer. Cause it's at like 14,000 and like one foot. <laughs> right now so it's not going to be on the list much longer so i wanted to make sure before it shrunk um i got up there <laughs> so um for those who don't know a 14er is a mountain that is above fourteen thousand feet um many of them here in colorado the base is around 10 or eleven thousand feet some a little bit lower but um quandary for example starts at eleven thousand feet and you climb about three thousand thirty three hundred feet that was my first and only so far um, no way. as well. And I've done it twice. Um, and it's such a, it, it's so humbling to start at 11,000 feet and just go up from there. And mm-hmm. what I love about it is like, it's a pretty strong equalizer, no matter how fit you are, nobody is like that fit over 12,000 feet. And mm-hmm. just like the feeling of, of pushing to your max and you're moving like one or two miles an hour, um, at 13,000 feet is a feeling I hope everybody listening gets to experience one day because it's wild, but also um, it usually means that there are incredible views around you. Mm. I have to admit, I often get what I call sweaty eyeballs um, on 14ers <laughs> just because it is, it's such an amazing, um, you know, physical feat and mental feat and how many times your brain is like, especially above 13,000 feet, you know, when your brain starts to get a little foggy from the elevation and your body's moving a lot slower than you're normally used to, you know, even at higher elevations in Boulder, Colorado Springs or Denver, um, above 12,000 feet, I start to feel it and 13,000 feet. I definitely really feel it, but yeah, there's some beautiful places out there that you have to climb to get to. For sure. So background is a marathon or how did you get into running? Um, so funny enough, I used to live in Breckenridge, uh, Colorado a while, while, while back. Great running town. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, and Breckenridge is also at 10,000 feet. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I like, I just, apparently I don't like oxygen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of my thing, but I think just living in that town, you naturally, um, kind of start to see other people doing things and you're like, Hey, I want to try that. And, um, you know, I just started like a couch to 5k program and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And like started trail running and, um, did my first 5k. And that, as you, and the running community knows that lends itself to go into, well, wait, I want to do an 8k. I want to do a 10k. What about a 12k? Um, and that spiraled into my first half marathon and just the energy, um, of the race itself and kind of conquering something that you're only to me in competition with yourself um, is kind of what I thrive off of. So I think that's why I gravitated to that as well as what, you know, climbing 14ers has that same mentality. For sure. So we're, we're right in the peak of marathon season, pun intended. And, um, I Mm -hmm. last, last year prior to, I think it was prior to Boston. I tweeted something about like, uh, if you're, if you're going to ask me what my marathon goal time is, I'm going to respond sub two, which is so ridiculous because like, only one or two people in the world can make that like an actual goal. And the reason mm-hmm. that I said that is because without context, a marathon time is completely meaningless unless it's under two hours. Like mm-hmm. I've had friends who run 2.30, 2.35 and they're disappointed with their time. And I have friends that they would, they would be thrilled to break five. And mm-hmm. so the number doesn't tell the story. It's the, it's the journey of start to finish, but also all the miles it takes to get there. 
And I feel like trail running and like mountain climbing, not like scaling mountains, but hiking up mountains is like very much the epitome of that. Um, it is truly a competition with yourself if that's how you want to see it, or it's just, how do I get the most out of myself? Which I think is really cool where like, again, the marathon has this elusive sub three or BQ or whatever. And there are so many people that can go couch to marathon and BQ. It, it just like, doesn't mean anything. It's not a five-year journey that it, you know, that it took to, to, to do that. Whereas something like, which doesn't say, which isn't to say it's, it's not a good goal. It's definitely a great goal. And the context around like, oh, and that was like a 30 minute progression or, oh, that was, you know, it took me three years to accomplish that. Like, that's what I find to be meaningful. Um, And these cool hikes that you do are definitely, definitely up on that list. So you, you did your first 14 or 10 years ago. um, And now you've done 14 of, of the, it's like 50 plus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So why did, why did that become the goal for you? I set weird goals for myself. Um, like every year, I'm not a New Year's resolution kind of person, but I like to just kind of think forward and what's going to give my life texture and meaning and challenging. And um, a few years ago, I, it was 200 yoga classes. And, and I hit that on you know New Year's Eve with my 200th class. Um, and I learned a lot about myself from, you know, achieving that goal last year, it was to do the Manitou incline 52 times. Uh, so once a week. So I did oh that goodness. last year, um, which is, it, it pales in comparison. There's actually, uh, there was a world record set on the Manitou incline last month. Um, this gentleman named crazy Bob, and he is in fact crazy. Um, he did it eight times a day in October. So he joined a club of over, I think it was 400,000 something, like maybe it was feet in elevation. I don't know if that makes sense. I have to do the math, but he eight times a day did the incline over um, the whole month of October. So it's about so. 16,000 feet a day. Uh, yeah, it's about 500,000 feet of gain. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Insane. But, you know, I think doing the incline that much and just kind of being out there and that in and of itself, if you haven't done it, it's just such a cool culture, especially the the sunrise crowd that I usually go with, you know, with a headlamp and, and kind of rise with the sun, so to speak on the mountain. Um, that's where all the, the local crazies are on it. Um, but it's just such a unique experience because everyone out there is just out there to push themselves, see what they're made of, challenge themselves, humble themselves um, to me, it's like a meditative experience climbing up the steps and, and just kind of one foot in front of the other just to, to get to the goal and get to the top. Um, it's just interesting, but that kind of led into, well, if I can climb 2000 feet in under an hour, why am I not doing this on other mountains? You know, um, So that's kind of what last year sparked me to start climbing 14ers. And then this year, my goal was to do 10 in total for the course of the year, which I hit a couple months ago. Um, but I'll probably end the year at maybe 13, maybe 13. I'd like to do a couple more this year in the snow. And you've had a couple of days where you've hit multiples with pretty early morning starts. Yeah. Um, what are you, what are you thinking about at like 3am when you're setting off for a few hours in the dark for two or three or four summits? Yeah. Um, and I do a lot of them solo, to be honest, like my job is very people oriented and, and I, manage, you know, two sales teams in the state of Colorado for solar. And, um, I'm a very introverted person. So for me to kind of, um, you know, I'm great with people, which is why I love what I do, but I need that disconnect and I need to get out into the trees and, um, kind of get lost in that kind of thing. Um, but I think that's, that's, that's one of the reasons I do it, but yeah, going solo and being out there with a headlamp at three in the morning in the trees on a trail that you've never been on, um, the first thing that goes through my mind is I hope that noise was not a mountain lion. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's definitely. And number two is I hope that wasn't a bear. Um, <laughs> but I think it is, it's, it's interesting. Like, and I don't know if you experienced this as well, but like putting yourself out of your comfort zone, the more you do it and the, the way you see yourself grow from that, the more you crave being out of your comfort zone. And that's what that does to me is like, you're out there 
and you're doing something that's intimidating to you, you're scared. Like, you know, I think people see the Instagram highlights of it and they're like, wow, look at that view and that sunset. And they don't realize that you were just like scared as shit out there in the dark with a headlamp. You know, there was actually one I did over the summer where my headlamp started dying and it was like four in the morning. I'm hiking. I get you a headlamp starts dying. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Uh, Maybe it's time. Um, for a new, actually, the headlamp I'm using is one I, I won in a snowshoe race out in Frisco like 12 years ago. Um, so it has it has a, a bond with me. But yeah, so that's definitely what I'm thinking about at four in the morning when it's dark <laughs> in the forest. The the pushing outside the comfort zone is interesting. I am afraid of nighttime adventures and wildlife. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh my God, you live in Colorado. Are you afraid of wildlife? And I don't know. And like so much so that I spent five months living at my parents' house on Cape Cod and they, they live right in front of 50 miles of conservation land trails. And this is Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And it's like very not scary when it comes to wildlife. And I was like afraid of it. It took me a while to build up to like the ability, ability to run deep into deep into those trails. Like that, there is always a highway within, I don't know, three miles. It's not really deep in the trails, but, and then I saw a coyote. And so I was like, okay, a little bit of validation there, but, um, and then out here it, I've noticed the same thing, like the exposure therapy of just going out there and doing it and doing it and doing it. And then every so often you like do run into wildlife. I ran into three moose, um, on high lonesome loop a few months ago. And, uh, mm. just this past weekend, I was like, there were a bunch of cows on on the trail I was trying to get through. And like cows are huge. They're not like scary animals, like a mountain lion. It's not going to eat you. But if it's on the path and you have to get around it, it's, it's like frightening, but um, it's that same vibe of like, okay, I did that. Now I can do it again. And that's the, that's the part that's valuable. And, and that's the part that has so much spillover in my mind with business and entrepreneurship and, like all of this stuff outside of running or hiking, um, we're both in sales for our career. And so it's very much very applicable um, when it comes to like setting big goals and just like doing it and failing or doing it and succeeding. And then just like growing from, from that. So I'm curious for you, have you, have you thought about the tangible overlap or, or the overlap between all of these endurance pursuits and sort of the business world? Yeah. Um, have you ever heard there's a saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything? Yeah. Um, and I truly believe that. I really think that, that you know, at your core, how you do things is going to be a constant, whether it's in your, you know, professional life, your personal life, spiritual, whatever. Um, and I think there's so much to be said for how that permeates into everything that you do. And, being in sales and managing, you know, a high volume team, you need to learn that like sometimes you need to humble yourself and do the scary things and put yourself out there. Um, and to me, leading by example is super important in that. And even though, you know, my job is not a player coach role, it's just a coach role and, and managing my teams, what I do in my life is is kind of leading by example for them in conquering things that are bigger than myself. And, and when you're in the home talking to homeowners about uh, going solar and, and, you know, answering all of their questions, having the courage to ask the right questions and stay in the home until they have the right answers that they can confidently say yes to going solar and, and be excited and happy about it and, and all of that, it, it's, it's a hard thing to do, you know? What's, um, what's a specific, or do you have a specific example of like a day on the trails that you think about in daily life? Man, I would say, I'm trying to think there was, there was, I would say Mount Yale um, was one of the 14ers that I did. And it's not a terribly hard one. Um, I want to say it's, it's probably, it's double digits in mileage. I think the elevation gains close to like 4,000. So it's not, It's not a a tiny hill to climb. It's definitely a bigger one. But I didn't, I learned a lot of lessons on that one. And I did not, I slept in my Jeep the night before at the trailhead because I wanted to get a 4 a.m. start. This was the one where my my headlamp was dying. 
Um, I had a lot working against me on this hike from I didn't sleep well because I had headlights, you know, throughout the night driving down the road as I was sleeping in my car, trying to sleep in my car. So I was not rested. Um, I kind of last minute decisioned going out there to sleep at the trailheads, but I didn't fuel properly as I would have normally. My headlamp was dying when I started the trail. Um, there was just a lot of things that were kind of working in, against me. And I cannot tell you, I would like at least a hundred times in my brain, I was having that conversation of, I want to stop. I want to quit. I just, just turn back now and call it a day. Um, what am I trying to prove here? Like, this is really hard. There were a few tears, you know, it, it was definitely something where I was really pushing myself to like my mental and physical max. Um, and then as you get to like 13,000 feet and you're like taking seven steps and then stopping for 20 seconds to catch your breath. And then you're taking another seven steps because that's all your body can, you know, allow yourself to do. Um, and like going through that for a couple hours at a, you know, at, at one shot and like kind of existing in that, that grip mentality of pushing yourself to that limit for that extended period of time is like, you know, with long distance running, like that's what we crave. But in the moment, in the moment, it feels so real and so raw and so like sometimes terrible. And then, you get to the top and, and like you take that last step and you are on the top and you've stopped climbing and you know that like you didn't give up and like that, like that feeling stays with you and it becomes a part of you in everything that you do, right? When you're facing any kind of a problem, um, those moments that you prove to yourself who you are and what you're worth, they're priceless, right? Yeah, it's the... It's the, like, this sucks in the moment, but definitely worth it for the long run. Um, mm-hmm. In the long run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, always be branding, right? Always be branding, ABB. <laughs> um, it's so real, though, right? Like, the, it, things would be so boring if they were easy, right? The, the hard, one of the hardest things I ever did was rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. And it took, like, three and a half hours to climb out of that from from the base. And in that moment, all you want is to be done. And then when you're done, you're like, okay, I kind of wish I could like suffer a bit more. That was, that was awesome to overcome that. And it's so weird how that works, but it's, I don't know. That's like why I like this podcast and this exploration. Cause it's like understanding how do we, how do we get into that? How do we give ourselves the ability to suffer like that and persevere? And then and then cross that barrier because at some point you, you're able to like turn off the this sucks and turn on the like pressure is a privilege and I, I get to hurt. And when you can get to that point, you, you can unlock that next level. And to me, I, it took me like six marathons to get to that point where I could wow. actively like choose more discomfort. And it was... Uh, marathon I ran in 2019, which is my current PR, and like things were starting to slow down at 18, and like by mile 20, I was like, "Okay, you've come this far. Like, make it hurt more." <laughs> and it's it's so mm-hmm. fun when you can like unlock that mental next level or that get to that place when it's just like, "Wow, this is this sucks," but I I get to do this. And another one. Um, I, you've done, um, you've done the four pass loop, right? Is that, Decal- is that otherwise known as Decalibrum? No, no. So I want to do that. The four pass no. loop is, um, for 12,000 foot passes, um, outside of Aspen. And, um, I had a really tough day out there and I was doing it with a bunch of friends and I was dragging ass up the third climb and my friend was just up ahead of me and she was like, she was also struggling and she was like, we chose to be here. And it's so powerful when you like mm-hmm. put, put the struggle into that, like, w- this is optional. <laughs> like nobody's making you do this <laughs> and you can just reframe it as like, yeah, we chose to be here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think everything is a choice. So anyway, we're, we're a little crazy. <laughs> or a lot, you know, depending, but no, I like what you said there. Pressure is a privilege. And it's so true. And that's, I think that's one of the things that keeps me getting back out there is my life is rooted in gratitude for what my body can do and what my brain can do. And um, it, it's fun to push those limits and see how far can I take it, right? And in, in kind of this twisted way. 
Do you intentionally practice gratitude? Yeah, I have I have grateful tattooed on my arm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, I want to live an abundant life and you can't have abundance without being grateful for what you currently have. Um, and just kind of being rooted in the present is, is another reason I think for getting out there on these long hikes too, because nothing will bring you more in tune to where you are right now than not having a cell phone signal and being out in nature by yourself, you know, um, depending on which one you're on. Some of them are quite busy and you never feel alone, but I try to avoid those uh, as much as I can. But yeah. If you've been enjoying this podcast and can spare 90 seconds of your time today, can you do me a favor? Can you pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? It helps other people find and enjoy the podcast too. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Tracksmith for supporting For the Long Run and their continued support of not just this podcast, but the running community in general. Stock up on training essentials and gifts for the runners you love with Tracksmith. Visit tracksmith.com slash FTLR and use code GRAVY20 for 20% off apparel and accessories from Thursday, 1124 through Monday, 1128. Thanks again to Freedom Solar for supporting this episode of the podcast, as well as our desire for a greener energy source. The buying process was fascinating and so eye-opening, most notably how simple and cost-effective it can be. I'm excited to pay my learnings forward. If you're curious, message me on Instagram or Twitter and I'd be happy to help you get in contact with some great resources or even just answer some questions. Freedom Solar is a full-service solar company installing solar panels and backup power systems since 2007. They operate in Texas, Colorado, Virginia, Florida, and now North Carolina too. My parents have the same panels from a different company in Massachusetts. More than a few friends and podcast listeners have already gone solar and they're all so excited and happy with the process with Freedom Solar so far. I got to talk about this last season of training for a second. So while training for a CIM, I've hit the highest weekly mileage I've ever hit and highest monthly mileage I've ever hit. What's really cool about that is I feel awesome. I feel like I could just keep running and running and running. And I also have the energy for everything else in life. I haven't gotten sick, even despite those around me getting sick, not even the sniffles for me. And I obviously can't pin this on a single thing, but I've been really diligent about taking Prevanex's Immune Health Plus and Probiotic incredibly diligently. I've been taking that every single day since March and it's helping. So I encourage you to check it out. And over Black Friday, they're offering their largest deal of the year, which is 20% off. You can use the code FTLRBF for 20% off at Prevanex.com. Snacks are life, am I right? But sometimes we reach for the boring snack when really we want something much more yummy. So it's time to evaluate our snack food experiences. This month, we partnered with Eastern Standard Provisions to help you step up your snack game and gift some tasty treats to the runners in your life. Eastern Standard Provisions is an artisanal food company. That's right, artisanal. They make incredible all-natural soft pretzels, Belgian waffles, gourmet sauces, and much, much more. I've tasted them and I love them. They're a perfect snack during your training cycle or on your rest day or any day. Maybe even take them right from the oven and bring them on your next long run. Just a thought. From now until November 28th, holiday boxes of these tasty treats are 50% off. So for all the runners in your life, send them a snack box and make their day or week or even year. Thanks again to Eastern Standard Provisions for supporting For the Long Run podcast and our community. Check out the link in the show notes to take advantage of that sweet and savory deal. Yeah, it's it's like a freeing feeling, right? Especially the places without cell coverage. We're so hyper connected these days, and the, the like forced disconnect is super fun. I love the um, the thing about Colorado when like you text a friend and they don't text you back for five hours, and it comes back green or it goes through green. <laughs> there was a meme the other day. It was like um, something about. I'm going to butcher it. Anyway, it was like, you know, your friend is having a great day in Colorado when your text is delivered as, as green. And it's so true. It's like, how infrequently do we have, are we forced to be fully present with, um, with ourselves and with those around us? And that was one of the reasons I, I love doing this podcast. Initially, my first 50 episodes were all in person. And so it's like forcing mm. 
forcing you to pay attention to the person that you're talking with. And like, that never happens anymore for more than like 30 seconds at a time in, in today's world. And so this, this medium or this, um, you know, being out in nature with friends where it's like work can wait, you know, Twitter can mm-hmm. wait, all this stuff can wait because it, it has to, there's no option. It's nice. No, it's, it's, that's so true. And I don't know. Um, I listened to the Rich Roll podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. Um, but he interviewed Colin O'Brady and he wrote the book, um, The 12 Hour Walk. And it started, he came up with this idea when he did this like Antarctica expedition that he was, um, I mean, that man has just done a lot. He's climbed like Everest four times and he holds some records in like high altitude climbing. Um, but he did this, he wrote this book on the 12 hour walk because during COVID, he realized how attached he was to everything and, and, you know, people having to stay in their homes and not leaving. And he just needed to get out. So he literally put his phone on, on airplane mode for 12 hours unintentionally, like to start the day, but it turned into, he just walked for 12 hours with no outside anything. And he came back and he was so excited for like how present and how centered he was and told his wife, like, you have to do this. She ended up trying it. And then he ended up writing an entire book called The 12 Hour Walk um, and is encouraging other people to go on this journey to kind of recenter and like gain the sense of, you know, presence and clarity that we just don't allow ourselves to to have, you know, in 2022. <laughs> so is that is that part of the reason you love it? I know you mentioned that you're an introvert and you run two teams. Um, is is part of the reason you love these adventures for that? I don't want to call it an escape, but alternative. Yeah, I think so. I think honestly, like the world we live in is just so fast paced and there's so much overstimulation happening and everyone's connected to their phones and people are you know, driving like maniacs and getting frustrated. Um, you know, I, we all have those moments, right? Um, like, why is this person going 33 miles an hour in a 35? I got to get somewhere quick, you know, and just having that mentality. It's so unhealthy to me. And I think gravitating towards like leaving all of that behind and connecting to whatever's important to you. Um, and to me, like seeking stillness is such a vital part in growth and and just truly taking a minute to listen to like what my body needs, what my brain needs, what my spirituality needs. And you can't find that when you're moving so fast and everything's so blurry, you know, because you're moving that fast. And I think that's one of the reasons I love hiking. Um, like I know a lot of people in Colorado do mountain biking and things like that. It's something I've never really personally gotten into because I just like to take it all in. Right. And I'd rather go hike for 14 miles than mountain bike, you know? Yeah. The stillness aspect of it, like with mountain biking, you're, or even like trail running at times, you're you're like so engaged in the land, like the, the next 10 feet, because otherwise you crash or roll your ankle or whatever. Um, yeah, there's, Mm -hmm. there's like a stillness with it for sure. Um, so what's on the list for the rest of this year? Um, well, I'm going to do the Manus You Incline tomorrow morning, um, bright and early with the sun. So, um, that's that. And it's not even I that early, probably it's bright and late. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No doubt. I know. Um, with the time change happening this weekend though, that'll be nice. Um, but yeah, I'll probably knock out a couple more 14ers and the, I'd like to do some of the more popular ones in the winter just to kind of get out there and experience them in all their glory without the, um, the crowds, you know? Um, and I would like to try ice climbing. That's on my agenda. Um, I definitely think that it's a cool sport and I would like to, Uray, the town of Uray has an ice climbing festival every January. Um, and they have a women's specific ice climbing clinic. So I think I might look into that and get out there just to kind of challenge myself. And I think too, if I'm going to conquer all of the 14ers, I'm going to have to develop my climbing skills um, more than what they are and just going to like the local indoor climbing gym. You know, I need to kind of get more exposure if I'm going to conquer all of these 14ers because they only get harder. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Ure is beautiful. This um, photo is from about 2000 feet above the town on, I believe it's Mm. called the Weehawken Trail. Anyway, it's like a absolutely stunning 
three-ish mile climb to the top and then you're like 3,000 feet above the town and you can look down and see it like it's basically like being hugged by the three surrounding mountains um what a stunning area i have i have the that photo um for those who who can't see it because you're listening to this episode we're now doing youtube so you you can see it in the future um so check out this podcast on on youtube going forward but um i have this photo from this is february of 2021 and then I have the same photo from July or, or August of 2021. Um, basically the same spot, just about 10, 10 feet of snow less in the second one. 10 less feet of snow in the second one. Um, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely stunning area. I love that. Yeah. Um, so as someone who's, who's focused on endurance pursuits as well as um, on, the, on the business side of things, which I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll get into briefly uh, in, a, in a little bit, um, I'm curious what your what your definition of success is. Ooh, my definition of success, yeah, that definitely means something different to everybody. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I have a lot of conversations with some of my friends that are in the business as well about grit and like what that means. And to me, like grit is you have a goal, and the goal doesn't necessarily deviate, but the means in which you get there can. So, like learning how to adapt instead of give up or, or, you know, understanding when to fold and maybe change the goal slightly or things like that. Um, I just think having that persistence and your eye is always at the top of the mountain, um, things might get in the way and you might have obstacles or you might have turbulence or weather or things like that, that, that kind of deter you. But like not giving up to me is not I mean, that's like a superpower and it's also probably a toxic trait (laughs) as well um, to, you know, just make things happen no matter what um, we're not giving up. But, you know, being able to do that and allowing yourself grace at the same time and having that balance is to me what makes somebody successful. Um, You know, are you pushing yourself, but are you still happy? You know, there's an extent to where you're pushing yourself and you're just ridden with anxiety. To me, that's not success. It doesn't have anything to do with the dollar amount in your bank account or things like that. But what is the the mental health and, and your physical health in comparison to your, your goals and what you're trying to pursue? I love that answer. Yeah. Because the, the end goal is a waste of time. If you sacrifice your happiness along the way, like what's the point of mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, if getting to X, Y, Z destroys you or ruins relationships or, you know, makes you unhappy and whatnot. Some of it is like, yes, you have to work, but, um, there's definitely a, a balance or a, an ebb and a flow in that. Um, okay, so you work at Freedom Solar. Yeah. Um, Freedom Solar is, uh, in full transparency, a sponsor of this podcast, has been since April of 2022. Um, I've had a couple of your colleagues on the podcast. The episode I did with Brett Biggert, your CEO, was fantastic. We spoke for like 55 minutes, and then we were like, oh, we should probably talk about solar a little bit. Um, Brett is, is incredible. His story was super, uh, inspiring. Um, the reason that we couldn't get into, um, solar right till the end, cause I was so like enthralled with everything he was saying. I'm just looking up the number episode that it was, um, so that I can mention that for those who didn't listen to it. Um, we released it on earth day of 2022. Um, so Anyway, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Anyway, Brett uh, talked about his experience as an alcoholic and somebody who was broke and without a job um, and really didn't know what to do with his life. This was about 10 10 plus years ago at this point. And Mm -hmm. he ended up linking up with someone who um, had complementary skills to him where he was good at some things and the other person was good at other things and fast forward a few years and we've got a huge solar company that operates in Colorado, North Carolina, Texas, Florida. What am I, what state am I missing? That's all of them. Virginia. Um, so we're, yeah, we're on the, Virginia. <laughs> yep. I'm going to say we're, we're penetrating the East coast a little bit. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, it's the company I went solar with. It's been fascinating to learn from Brett um, about sort of how he runs a business and, and it's the servant leadership that, 
um, I find to be so inspiring. That's how um, my company's CEO operates as well. And uh, for those who aren't familiar with that principle, I would I would definitely suggest looking it up. It's a fascinating concept and um, really leads to impactful uh, work um, and strong relationships with with colleagues. Anyway, um, first I want to thank Freedom Solar for sponsoring this podcast. It has enabled me to continue to put out all this information. And the conversation I had with them was trail runners love things that help them protect the earth, feel good about what they're doing, and also save money. And so we've had a lot of people who listen to this podcast go solar, um, and now they are actually supporting other content creators in the endurance space. Um, So it's really cool to see them investing into this community, into this medium, as well as other athletes. Um, And my passion is how do we enable more people to do what they love? And for some, that's podcasting, for some, that's being an athlete, et cetera. And and it's really cool to see Freedom Solar helping to enable that incredibly long preamble to this part of the conversation. But I'm curious how you got into into solar. Yeah, I've only been in solar for two years. So my background is in the finance industry um, from when I lived back in Chicago. And when I moved back to Colorado for the second time, um, two years ago, my mission was to get out of the finance industry for several reasons um, and specifically get into solar. Right? right. And I think similar to people that are looking into going solar for their home, you do your research. You want to make sure you're going with the, the right company and um, that kind of thing. And I just I wasn't excited about the companies that I was interviewing with. And I was like, well, maybe I need to rethink this thing. I had a job offer on the table from a from a finance firm to do something very similar to what I've been doing with Freedom. And I ran into Freedom Solar. And the rest is history. I, I left the finance world behind. And, and my mission was to create um, sales teams to go out there and, and educate homeowners on how solar can help them and um, help the environment, help their electric bill, um, and things like that. And it's been two years almost to the... Actually, yeah, two years this week that I've been with Freedom Solar. What are some of the common misconceptions that people have uh, in regards to getting started with solar? And then I'll I'll tell you what mine were. Okay, um, I'll say that the the first couple that come to mind. There's a lot of advertising out there for different companies and and state initiatives and things like that. We have a lot of people that have the misconception that solar is free. It is not free. <laughs> Nothing in this world is um, besides the air we breathe. But um, there's a lot of marketing out there that will allude to, um, you know, the state of Colorado is giving homeowners free solar that does not exist. So I would say that's one. And another one I would say is the exact opposite is that solar is too expensive, right? And to me, staying on your utility company, that's too expensive because you don't have control over their continual hikes that they're raising, you know, their hourly or sorry, their, you know, their electric rates, they're raising um, the time of use now, which is becoming a thing that during peak hours, they're charging sometimes quadruple the normal rates during times where they know people are home and running laundry and cooking dinner and playing video games and, and all of that. And to me, gaining energy independence is an important thing to kind of get away from that, right? Um, but I think people think that it's it's too expensive. But if you add up over time, you're not going to not pay your electric bill, right? So if you add up over time, the course of, of a solar loan for you know whatever you decide, whether that's a short five-year loan up to like a 25-year 20, loan, um, you would have already been paying that money to the utility company, if not more. So oftentimes we're finding when somebody, you know, signs up for a loan to pay for their solar system, their loan monthly payment is equal to, if not around a cup of coffee difference between what they're already paying, you know? So you're just paying that money to yourself, essentially, kind of like buying a house versus renting. Are you going to rent your electricity from the utility company or are you going to buy solar panels to produce the power for your own home, right? The latter was exactly why I, I mean, besides not owning a home, but... (laughs) When I first started looking into it, I was like, mm, nope, probably not going to make economic sense, but I'm curious anyways. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was running probably a $120 a month electrical bill in a single family home. And 
the option for a loan was $91 a month to cover 99% or 100% of the of the cost. And that pretty sure that included the cost of the loan itself. So it was like one point something mm-hmm. percent uh, interest, which is like free money, particularly if you're if you're gonna net $40 a month from day one and mm-hmm. forever. And I reached out to Freedom Solar after I bought the panels because I was like, I'm I feel like I know enough or I know a lot. And I was so candidly like pissed off that it had never been communicated to me in a way that was like reasonable. Like the way that we talk about it, it's like, okay, day one, if you choose financing, you can save $40 a month for the next 25 years. And then you have no payments ever. And I was like, I must, I must communicate this. Like, this is so good for the environment. I've, I've had discussions with um, people who are focused on environmental efforts. I had Canyon Woodward on the podcast. I believe that episode's airing soon. And he's a environmental activist and higher end runner. And we talked about the, the ways to have an impact, right? Like recycling, it kind of only works if every single person does it. And if everything that gets recycled actually gets recycled. But I think like there was a report, there's like 5% of things that get recycled, get recycled. So he talked about policy. Yeah, voting and policy driving um, actual impact when it comes to protecting the environment. And so we have the the, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which increased the solar credit to 30%. So you get back 30%. Mm -hmm. So it's like these things that, that incentivize population change. That's how we make an impact when it comes to the environment. But for me, it felt like, okay, it's like a, you know, throwing a dart into the ocean with recycling, whereas mm. solar or you know, these types of things, installing more insulation into your, into your roof uh, to help you know, the bleeding of, of energy like right out the house and basically wasting money. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like that kind of stuff is actually having an impact. So it's super cool what what you all are up to, and I also want to thank Freedom Solar for for sponsoring this this podcast and making um, making it possible to um, to do what what you guys are doing at scale. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, just something I'd like to add to that because their solar is becoming a lot more prevalent, especially after the new um, policy that you know came out in thirty percent. Um, that you can claim on your taxes from the total cost of your solar system as renewed for 10 years, which is amazing. Oh, I didn't even um, know so that. The it's 10 years. only going to continue. Yeah, it's for wow. 10 years. It's for 10 years. But what that's also producing is there's there's these smaller companies that are coming in and they, they just want to get in it to get jump on the bandwagon, make money and move on. And one of the reasons I was diligent on researching the company that I'm now working for was are they being ethical about it, right? Because that's something that's just always been very important to me. What type of businesses am I supporting? How am I investing my money? Is it ethical? Um, and, and kind of what's under the, the the rug kind of mentality? I'm always a little skeptical of, you know, what's going on. But, you know, working with Freedom Solar, we're a master dealer for SunPower, which I know that was the specific solar panel, you know, company that you wanted to go with. And, they have a cradle to cradle program, which means their panels can be recycled at the end of their life. No other solar manufacturer that I know of does that. Um, so that's not burying the lead when it comes to going solar because you think you're helping the environment. But then if they just go throw these panels in a landfill when they're done, well, what <laughs> that, that kind of defeating the purpose. And then SunPower actually has something in their um, contract with any of their um, direct suppliers that they have to verify that they're not engaged directly or indirectly in human trafficking, slavery, things like that. So they're, to me, just just going a couple levels deeper into who's manufacturing these panels, where are they coming from, um, and just not burying the lead when it comes to going solar. And, and I think that was something really important to me. And I know it's important to you know people that are like-minded in Colorado and Boulder, where you're at, um, in, in choosing something that's sustainable, not just kind of on the surface, but you know that beyond that, they're actually doing good um, for the planet and for social efforts and, and things like that. Totally. Yeah. I think there are so many options out there when it comes to buying anything and, and voting with our dollars is, 
is the only way to create change or, or enable the companies and brands that are doing it the right way to continue to do it the right way. Um, and so it's cool. I didn't know that about the cradle to cradle with the panels. Uh, that's super cool. Yeah. SunPower was yeah. the manufacturer that I wanted to go with. Um, so for those who aren't in Colorado, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, or Virginia, we recommend SunPower, but you know, go to their website and find a, a dealer that works for you. And as always, please shoot me questions. Um, I can pass them along to Colleen or I can yeah. try and answer them myself um, when it comes to solar. It's much more simple than, than you might think. Um, so switching gears to a little rapid fire round of, of questions. Um, okay. We, we have a little this or that. We're trying out a new, new segment <laughs> here on, on the podcast. So if you'll humor me with, uh, okay. with a couple of questions here, we'll go from there. So this or that, phone call or text? Phone call. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Iced or hot? Ooh, what time of year is it? I'll go hot. All right. Uh, dogs or cats? I think I know the answer to this one. Dogs all the way. Uh, running, road or trail? Trail. Seems silly to ask <laughs> that one. Um, podcasts or music? Oh, that's a hard, that's like asking tacos or no tacos. That's, that's uh, the next question. Pizza, tacos or pizza. <laughs> I don't know. Oh gosh, I called it. Man, podcasts or music. I love them both equally. I cannot answer. I will go to my grave with, with that answer. Perfect. I want both. Uh, okay. <laughs> Ironically, the next question is pizza or tacos. <laughs> oh, I'm originally from Chicago, so I have to say pizza. That's my only reason. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, first word that comes to mind when you think of your hiking journey. Transcendence. Ooh, like that. Um, what is your favorite recovery meal? Oh, so I eat primarily plant-based. There is a place out here that does a vegan chicken sandwich and they have the best French fries this side of the Mississippi. Um, so if I've just crushed like a double digit, um, hiker 14 or that is where I stop on my way home to then sit on my couch and ice my knee and, watch documentaries about mountains while I'm recovering from being in the mountains. That's kind of my, my ritual. <laughs> nice. So I, I assume you've been to Golden Borough in Leadville. I don't know that I have. And now I'm going to have to go do that. Okay. You're going to have to go do a 14er in Leadville. Okay. Please bring me with you. Okay. And then go to Golden Borough. It's a, it's a vegan diner. No. And it's incredible. So boom, there you go. Okay. Well, Colleen, okay. this was uh, this was so fun. Uh, you've gotten a new restaurant recommendation out of it. Uh, the listeners or viewers have hopefully learned a thing or two about your endurance pursuits and and maybe even solar. Um, and thanks so much for for taking the time to chat. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo was created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 